0: Hello, and welcome back to another scary, scary edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and we got some creepy, creepy stuff for you today. (laughs) Alright guys, how is everybody out there in scary land? And, of course, like I always say, hit that 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 subscribe button, the follow button, whatever. Do that right now. I'm doing a video for this podcast, so check it out, too, for this episode. I'm going to, like I said, keep doing more, more and more of the, uh, yeah, toilet paper's right there in the back. Yeah, that's real awesome to put in the video. But anyways, yeah, I've been getting them uh, caught up. And uh, thank you, guys. I'm going to get caught up tonight more after I record this and... Get it ready for Saturday morning, guys. But Hope everybody had a great week of work. Like I said, thank you guys for the understanding, for changing that when I released it now, it is a lot better for me. I can come home on Fridays, chill, because I got off early. And today kicks off my vacation. So I might try to do some extra stuff this week uh, to throw in here. I ain't done any specials for a while, so think I might do something like that. Get on here uh, more this week and talk to y'all. All right, sorry, I had to move that. Well, I'm doing a video, of course, like I said, and I had some uh toilet paper, a roll of toilet paper uh right there, and it, I just got rid of it. Looked pretty trashy, not spooky. All right, I got a great show for you. We're gonna cover more water stuff. Uh, this this is uh Michigan. We're gonna be covering covering water uh water. Lakes and rivers and lighthouses and stuff. So, trying to keep it something like that. Because, like I said, when summer comes up, I'm going to flip it. Because I try to keep it not always, you know, talking about a haunted house or property. I try to mix it up, go around the world, get stuff. So, hope I have a good uh, good uh mixture of stuff for you here. But today, it's going to be uh, all Michigan stuff. So, well oh and i do want to thank everybody out there who listens the numbers keep growing they keep getting bigger and better don't forget go check out the youtube channel it's ghost stories told from the south you can look at my ugly mug <coughs> why i'm doing this because you know if you just always listen to the audio you never really get to see what's going on behind the scenes so i'm going to start uh recording uh You know, YouTube videos, too, like I do, but I'm going to put on there stuff in between. I mean, me getting ready for the show and all that, so behind the scenes stuff. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, like always, grab you a nice warm blanket, a nice cup of coffee, or a nice cup of cocoa. Snuggle up by the fire. Get nice and cozy. 'Cause your scary time's about to begin, <laughs> baby. That sounded creepy and kind of weird. Sorry about that, but anyways, let's get into it. All right, our first story is about the drowning, or the uh, the Mission Point Resort and McKin- on Maconie Island in Michigan let me pull this down some the story goes that Harvey whose real name was uh, whose real name has been private by his family was once a student at the uh, short lived McKinney College which operated on the island from 1968 to 1970 and I have got to change into my bifocals real quick yeah, I know. That gets my age away. I'm only 47, man. Give me a break. All right, that's better. Okay, Harvey is said to have been <clears throat> in love with a, with a fellow student. But things took a tragic turn. He went missing one winter, and his body was found in the woods, uh, following spring so apparently up there he went missing during the winter and it get they get so much snow and stuff up there that he didn't get found till spring when everything melted off however climate says that here had hmm. okay however climate says that there have been some disagreement about the way in which Harvey actually met his demise. Now remember, they're saying it was a apparent suicide, but there's some skeptics. A flirty and prankster, Harvey is known to creep through the Mission Point Resort... Uh, Anyways, he's known to creep through the rooms at night, going into the bed with the uh, guest, and jumping on the mattresses. Now, that would be a freaky fucking ghost. Could you imagine sitting there, and uh, you're dead asleep, and you feel somebody just crawl up beside you, and you know it's not your mate? Yeah, that would be kind of creepy. That would be weird, Bilbo Boggins. He is also said to frequent Michi- or missions point highly haunted theater, poking and pe- poking and pinching female guests and making himself known through other, other stuff through the uh show. So apparently he messes with you and lasts with you through the show. So he's a little prankster, like they said. Todd, Cl- uh, Todd Clemens believes that he first saw Harvey on Macon's Island's Bluffs when he was 21 years old, a moment that was a launching point for Clement's lifelong love of the paranormal. He believes he had numerous encounters with Harvey since even even in the middle of uh, haunts of the uh, McKinney uh, ghost tours. (coughs) So apparently at night, they... I mean, uh, during the... uh, Halloween season they turn into a haunted house which is awesome now here's another little thing about this little point I got this is called the drowning pool legend goes that the drowning pool was once used to drown the witches on the island though resort owners have since pointed out that the pond did uh, did not form until the early 1900s Despite the uh, dubious nature of the drowning pool claim, many guests and visitors have reported seeing shadow figures lurking around the banks of the pool. Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, let's see what else we got on this bad boy. Okay, now this is probably going to cover some of the stuff I've already said, but we'll do it anyway. Harvey's spe- uh, specter is most often encountered around the resort's theater soundstage, where people report being touched or pinched by an unseen entity. This is said to happen to women more than men, leading many to consider Harvey's quite the little flirtatious ghost. Mwah. Although his uh, presence in the theater Harvey's apparition encountered throughout the uh, resort. His, his spirit is encountered through the uh, whole resort grounds. Around the cliff where he is said to have died are, are wandering the hotel halls. Sorry if y'all here fighting in the back. I've got the studio door open today because no one's here. It's just me. I've got the house to myself. And when I'm by myself, I keep the door open. So if you hear them fighting, it's them running around the house like a bunch of freaking madmen right now. My cat and my dog going, yeah, woo. All right. Another spirit to encounter at the uh, resort is that of Lucy. Reportedly, the spirit of a young girl who took ill on the island and was left there while her parents attended business in Detroit. man how could you leave your kid behind like that going to especially back then because traveling took so long <coughs> i don't know when they returned she had uh, already died or or so the story goes yeah why would you leave your kid while she's sick that's fucked up now lucy's ghost is regularly occurrences uh now Lucy's ghost is a ghostly oh god. Sorry about that guys. Now Lucy's ghost is a regular occurrence around the mission. Often appearing as a shadow apparition on a hotel on the hotel balconies. Along with that, guests have also claimed to hear the disbottled voice of a young girl calling for calling for her parents with many figuring it is lucy still searching for the family that left her left her behind all these years ago that is fucking sad man i mean why would you leave your kid in a you know there while you go on business don't make any damn sense but that would flip me out if i heard a little girl's voice i'd get flipped out if i heard anything that's why I really, really want to do a podcast while people are doing a uh, paranormal investigation. I just think that would be pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. I could tell some stories about the place, why they're doing their investigation. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get on with our next story. All right, our next story is the merquity harbor lighthouse the big red lighthouse that proudly stands at the entrance of the harbor was built in 1865 and is now maintained by the uh, maritime museum (coughs) excuse me which also gives tours of historic lighthouses one on different occasions Guides and visitors have seen A ghost of a little girl Wearing a, 19, a 1910 Style dress Sometimes she is a She is seen staring out of the window Over Lake Superior On the uh, catwalk Around the lantern She seems to look showing Her spirit To woman or other children Oh There was uh, No There was no report there was no reported death of a little girl at the lighthouse. However, there was a young daughter of a keeper who was badly injured when she fell on the rocks at the shoreline. Interesting, Interestingly, it happened shortly after the turn of the century. I don't know if the lighthouse is haunted, but strangely a lot of lighthouse keepers have resigned their duties while serving at the uh, Big Red Lighthouse. Excuse me. So be sure you watch your back when you're there. <laughs> and I'm sorry some of these are short. Some of these are kind of long. Some are just there. <laughs> but let's uh no, I'll take a break after this next one. All right, let's do uh our next one. Hope you're ready. All right, this is the Big Bay Lighthouse. It's in Michigan, too. All of these are in Michigan today. The Big Bay Lighthouse was built at first at, at the Big Bay Light was built in the first and first lit in, in 1896. The building was constructed of red brick and renovated and reinforced concrete. It sits on a rocky ledge over Lake Superior and its location was chosen due to the number of shipwrecks that had wrecked on the Big Bay Point at the uh, in the past. That's normally what they would do on coastlines. They would find the spot where people was having their most wrecks, you know, because like at night you couldn't see, you know, what was uh, out there in these bays and some of them were shallow and they'd wreck their stuff on the Jagged Ages rocks. So they started doing that, and making the lighthouses. Nowhere was I when I was trying to be Mr. History Buff over here. Okay. The tower the Tower of the Light stands somewhere between eighty nine and a hundred feet tall. At the tallest point of the tower. At the, uh, oh at the tallest point of the tower. The quarters were originally set up as a duplex with several bedrooms, a kitchen, parlor and dining room. The accommodations were suited for two keepers to live at the light. The light was uh, automated in 1941 which eliminated, eliminated the, the need for keepers to stay at the lighthouse. In the early 1950s, the lighthouse and its surrounding areas were leased to the U.S. Army and was used to run drills and training. During this time, the high-profile murder murder occurred involving one of these soldiers, which you can read about. Uh, oh, that's if you click here. After the army pulled out of the area, the building was abandoned. In 1961, a man named John Peake bought the property with the intentions of turning it into his summer home. (coughs) The building was incredibly uh, decaying. Most windows were broken, parts of the roof were missing, and much of the uh, plaster had eroded. He spent 17 years restoring the building and furnishing it with uh, antiques unfortunately by the time the building was uh livable peak was in his 80s and his death was uh failing oh his uh, health was failing he ended up selling the selling the property to a man named don hitchens in 1979 Hitchens, like Peck, began construction on the property in order to uh, convert it into a bed-and-breakfast. Notably, he added more bedrooms, conference rooms, and bathrooms to the extended buildings. Hitchens sold the property to an investment group five years later. The heads of the, heads of the investment groups, Norman and Merlin Koshaw, added onto the property further. They purchased more of the surrounding land and forged hiking trails. They also restored and reopened the Huh, the fog signal building on the property too. Well, a fog signal was the big old horn, you'd hear a That meant the fog was bad, I guess. The bed and breakfast officially opened in 1986. They sold the operation in 1992 to the current owners, John Gale and Linda Gab- Cam- uh, Campbell. They sold... Oh, okay. The trio are evade oh, Okay, never mind. All right, now we're going to talk about the hauntings. The number of deaths, deaths at the lighthouse is unknown. One is heavily recorded in... Uh, Connected to one of these uh, supposed spirits at the light, William Parr was a light was the light's first keeper. He left he left the assistant keeper in charge one day to visit his uh, ill sister in Marquette. When he returned, he found that his assistant keeper had uh, neglectedly had not done his duties. Prior fired him for his uh, negligence and hired his son, George. Hired his son George to take his place. Unfortunately, this decision would lead to his son's death in, deaths in 1901. <coughs> Georgia fell down some steps in the lighthouse. He was taken to the hospital in, in Marquetta. Where uh, I'm probably saying that wrong, and I'm sorry. That's where he died. His injuries, her, in, uh, where he died from his injuries two months after the accident. Apparently disappointed and deeply depressed over the death of his son, William walked into the woods, into the uh, woods surrounding the lighthouse with a pistol. A year later, his skeleton was found hanging from a tree about a mile into the woods. Many people believe that he died by suicide. Some believe that some believe that there was a was foul play involved. The spirit of William Pear is often seen in mirrors and is said to turn faucets on and off. Ew. There have been numerous reports of sailors on the land and in the lighthouse itself. The age of the The age of error of the uniforms have not been described, but it does not seem unlikely to me that there are lost souls in Lake Superior. Yeah, I mean, I think there are because that's a big lake. It's like a mini ocean, dude. So and it's deep. It's very deep, too. So ain't no telling what happened out there on that water. There have also been numerous reports of sailors on the land and in the lighthouse itself. Oh, sorry, I just fucking said that. Three hundred and fifty shipwrecks still lie on the uh, lake floor. Who knows what? Who knows what lonely souls have made their way from its depths and towards Big Bay Point's light? A more nebulous theory is is. Uh, theory that has little proof is that the spirit of a murdered woman also haunts the light as story goes, she was lured to the uh, light during the short period of abandonment in the 1950s and murdered after nearly an an hour of research. I could not find any, uh, they couldn't find anything. So they don't know if this story is true or not, but if you're ever there, go by it's a bed and breakfast And it's pretty cool. I'll have to put that on my bucket list. That'd be kind of cool to go check out, you know. You could do some uh, paranormal research and get some history and go to an old lighthouse. That would be too sweet. Sorry, guys. I was getting a swallow of water. All right. Hope everybody's having a scary time so far. Well, (coughs) excuse me. And we're going to take a quick little break right here. You ever look up at the sky at night and look at the stars and wonder, are we the only ones really out here? Have you ever wondered how much our government hides from us? Have you ever wondered? Why so many mysteries go unsolved? What really happens? What's the clues? What's the evidence? Ever wonder if Bigfoot or Mothman is real? Then if so, come listen to this podcast called What's Really, really, out, really there? out There? And I am your host, Stephanie Booth. And, and I am your father. co-host, Stephen Booth, a And if you're into UFOs, Unsolved, urban le- murders, unsolved mysteries. murders, mysteries, uh, unexplained stuff that happened, urban legends. We're into all of that. Conspiracy stuff, too. We go dive into that. So if you're looking for a new podcast that tells that kind of stuff, then you are uh, need to listen to What's, what's really, really Out there? there. And we are on Spotify and iHeart and Pandora, I think. But we are pretty much on every platform mm-hmm. we have a YouTube channel twos or channel so go check that out it's called what's really out there so come check us out once again I'm your co-host Stephen booth and I'm your host Stephanie booth and this is what's,
1: what's really, really out, out
0: there. there we'll see you at the next episode guys all right our next story is Big Bay Point Lighthouse in Big Bay, Michigan. And I don't know why I'm talking like this. Big Bay, Big Bay Point Lighthouse, and it's a bed and break, bed and break, bed and breakfast too now. Big Bay Point Lighthouse was built in 1896. It stands alone on the stands alone on the lone on the lone lonely, but dramatically beautiful Big Bay Point, jouting into uh, Lake Superior, about twenty-five miles northwest of the Marquita of Marquita. Sorry if I'm butchering it again. Just to the north of the of qu- the quiet town of Big Bay. Excuse me, the the original lighthouse keeper, William Purr. What the fuck? I just said this. Huh, let's keep reading this, because this is weird. I'm not lying, it's, it's okay. He's said to have been both an uh, ordinary and hardworking keeper of the light. And a uh, perfectionist when it comes to the duties of tending to the light and in, in, in the grounds his logbook journal was filled with rants about the incompetence and weak and the work ethic of the assistant keepers so when perry's son so when perry's son took on the job he did so with a, a sense of fear about his father his father's demise and quick tempered one day while working on the pier on the north side of the uh, point he lost his balance and fell on the concrete cracking his shin bone and cutting and cutting himself afraid of his father's uh temper he continued working hard working hard keeping up uh, the grounds as his father would have wished him to not long after that though a uh, gout set in, and a in the young man fell seriously ill and passed away. With no clear trails of roads in Big Bay, at this time, the fastest way to the uh, Marquita, to the town of Marquiti, to receive medical assistance was uh, by rowboat. The father William rode fearlessly to the town with all the all his might to save his ill son, but it was too late. The boy died in the rowboat before he could reach the shore. Returning to to Big Bay the following day and and failing further into depression, Mr. Pryor left a note on the table for Jenny Beamer, the wife of another assistant lightkeeper, reading, Jenny, Jenny, that's it. I'm taking a gun and cyanide into the woods goodbye theory goes that jenny that jenny no stranger to mr priors ordinarily personally ha- uh happened upon him in the woods debating which weapon to use gun or cyanide cyanide or gun jenny who just would jenny just so happened to have a lengthy rope with her and her hand approached him and said oh william having a problem i have a solution stand on my basket and take the rope take this rope around your neck and we'll make this quick and easy for you man this kind of sounds like what i just fucking talked about but it's two different lighthouses and two different places Alright, I'm back, guys. I had a visitor come in. Like I said, nobody was here. It's just my uh, niece's uh, boyfriend dropping off my thun. But it's just me and him, so if you hear any noise in the background, it's just him playing his game. But anyways, where was I? Okay, now this story is sounding just like the one I got through reading, and I swear to God that these are both different places, but they sound just alike, and it's weird. Okay, we was at where he lost his son. He was falling in deep depression. And then he left the note. Okay, he left the note on the table. We read all that. He killed himself. Okay, then two years earlier, or two years later, a walker came across the head of Mr. Pryor hanging from a a maple tree about two miles into the woods from the lighthouse. Now, that's effed up. Two years later, they find his body. Damn. He must have been thick in the woods. To this day, reports of visitors uh, staying at at the uh, lighthouse bed and breakfast are awakened by the ghost of an elderly groundskeeper with coast scarred attire and a thick red mustache standing at the foot of the bed in the middle of the night. One moment he's there. The next minute he vanishes. Ooh, that is crazy. Crazy, I tell you. Okay. Just making sure I got everything in my ducks in a row here. I think I know where... No? I don't know, but that's where... I hope you uh, thought that story was pretty creepy. I'd love to go to some of these old lighthouses. I think that'd be pretty effing neat. I think it'd be pretty, pretty, pretty cool. If you know what I mean. All right, guys, let's get ready for the next story. Our next story is the Bay Cliff Health Camp in Big Bay, Cabin 13. Now, this is also on the same uh, island as the Miscani, or the Mechanic, the 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 McNike Island. I've already covered that on the first one, but this is on the same island. Located about 25 miles northwest of Marquiti, Maraquiti. That name gives me hell, but anyways, northwest of that town in Biggs Bay is Biggs Cliff Health Camp, a nonprofit summer therapy camp for children who need assistance with uh with the physical training or not training, but a physical therapy and they had a speech classes, hearing, and vision therapy. The 130-acre property is a northern Michigan vista surrounded with a hardwood forest and gorgeous views of Lake Independence and Lake Superior. Bay Cliff was built in 1934 and was compressed of numerous cabins, lunch halls, uh, common rooms, meeting spaces, and outdoor parks it was a it was originally open to care for the children before turning its focus to the more therapy-based camp it is today <clears throat> so at first it was for children and some of their disabilities but now it's just a overall just a therapy camp Rumors have been spreaded of spirits and ghostly figures of past residents and children haunting the old cabins and common rooms of the camp. <coughs> the haunting of Cabin Thirteen continues to be one of the most told. It is reported that a long, that a long, that long ago there was a child named Sam staying at the camp, a boy who committed suicide and whose ghost still haunts Bay Cliff. Periodically, the cabin he stayed in during its uh, during his time there, so he will come back and haunt the uh, place where he stayed, the cabin he stayed at, and committed the uh, suicide. Sam's cabin. Sam's cabin walls are covered with his artwork as well as the paintings of the artist he so dearly admired at the time. The story goes that one night at camp, another resident began. Bullying Sam for his nerdiness, and his uh, nerdy appearance, and the size and the shape of his glasses, the resident continued to bully Sam, destroying him, destroying some of his artwork, and stomping on his glasses. Now having and now having the ability to see, paint without his glasses. Basically, they I guess they're trying to say is that now he can't see really without his glasses because he's blind. Like me, if I don't have my glasses, I'm a blind fool. Some was, uh, Sam was unable to protect his uh, artwork that this guy destroyed his works and fell into a severe depression. It is said that Sam went to the center center room at Sam's place and used the sharp tip of an old feather pen as a knife to end his life. Oh, Lord. Sam's ghost is said to uh, haunt Cabin Thirteen till its very day. Campers have claimed that heavy paintings on the wall of the cabin will fall to the ground and at night wake them up from their sleep. Then, just as they were about to hang the painting back on back in the wall in its place, the painting would the painting would mysteriously float off float off and hit the ground. And uh, No, wait a minute. They're saying that sometimes it would fall off the ground and it would be put back on the ground. I mean, put back on the wall is what they're trying to say. It's what I'm trying to say. It would get knocked off the wall and they'd pick it up and or a spirit or something would pick it up and put it back up on the wall. It would hang itself back on the wall. Okay. So, if you ever go to the Cliffs Health Camp, go to Cabin Thirteen. Get the bejeezy scared out, scared out of you by uh, the good old Ghost Sam. All right, let's check our next story. Sorry if my um, uh, my reading sometimes sucks, guys, but I'm yeah, I, I I'm just doing my best. But I hope y'all are enjoying the show. Let's get to the next story. The next story is this Soul Coax. Point Lighthouse in Gulliver, Michigan. The Sol Checks Point is a rugged rocky stretch of land that jots out in the northern shore of Lake Michigan. Home to a light home to a lighthouse over one hundred years old. The translation uh, the translation of the bay's name is only chosen given in the, uh, 1800s after a group of French, of uh, French fur traders came into the trouble amongst the location of, uh, furious waves. So basically they was out there and they got caught in a bunch of big old bad waves caught in the middle of a storm that threatened to capsize the tiny vessel. That's hard to believe though. In the, uh, Great Lakes that the the waves can get big enough to make vessels go over, okay, they were forced to seek refuge on the land's dangerous coastline it's it really was their only choice that's why it's called only choice, huh, ah. the lighthouse itself wasn't uh Put into work until eighteen eighty six and six years later it became it became operational, so they started building on it in eighteen eighty six six years later it became operational finally, construction was complete in eighteen ninety five The lighthouse was the the lighthouse was seventy nine feet high, and the entire complex consisted of a stable of family quarters, a boiler house and a steam fog signal once again that's that machine that'd go rah, rah. you'd hear it a lot on the scooby-doo back in the day it was home to the lighthouse keeper and his family along with the assistants and his fa- assistants and the, his family all together that's made up four adults and at least six children in a small area the lighthouse keeper was from bristol england he lived in lived in the complex until 1910, when he died from tuberculosis in the upstairs bedroom. Unfortunately, with it being mid midwinter, the ground was uh, too frozen to dig a grave. Since he could not be buried, his body was stored in the basement until the until thaw until the ground could thaw. Several months later, it is said that his soul began, his soul began became stuck at the lighthouse during that period of not being to rest of not being put to rest the keeper the keeper was a heavy smoker heavy smoker even at his death one of the most reported phenomenal activities is the visitors often smell tobacco even though smoking isn't allowed on the uh, premises <coughs> Another is a resident. Oh God, here we go. Another is of a imprint of the uh, morning on the. Okay, in the morning there'll be a imprint on the bed that used to belong to him. As though some have said here before, the staff arrived. Said here before the staff arrived. The eeriest are reports of sightings of the keeper himself. So apparently he comes back into that room, and his indention will be on that bed. That's fucking crazy, man. I'd go cuckoo if I seen that, especially if it's just flat and then you see an indention. Yeah, if that shit, I'm out. Many visitors have seen a man walking walking around the grounds wearing a heavy blue co- uh, coat that matched the keeper's descript- description. However, he however n- however he never seems to acknowledge the visitors. Other people talk of seeing a, f- a figure man walking them watching them from a window halfway up the uh, lighthouse, even though no one is currently inside it. Pretty creepy. Okay. What do we got next? Ooh. All right. Our next one is Fort Holmes. Basically, this is going to be talking about Fort Holmes and other stuff. And it's the same island again. That's a Magkeek. Magnec Island in Michigan. I'm probably butchering that name, so anybody from um, Michigan, please correct me. But this is on that same island. This island, for being a little island, has a lot of spooky shit in it. Okay, here we go. Might be a jealous boyfriend... Might a jealous boyfriend have done the uh, deed to keep... Heart, what the flimity flam's going on here? My notes are all screwed up and I had them right. What's going on here? Okay. Here we go, I think. Okay, we're trying to see where I need to go here. Okay, here are some of the stories of the island and the uh, stories that go on there. Among other stories, oh, well, what the hell? Okay, here we go. I'm sorry. Here's what some of the people uh, see when they're on the island and all uh, what they see here and all that when we're they're on the island. There have been many accounts of ghosts being seen inside Fort Holmes the rest and it's a uh, old fort, the restored british stronghold atop mac uh Mac-neck island Macnack island's highest point. It's a popular spot for uh stargazers, but many people also have reported seeing excuse me three soldiers then poof they disappear as if they've never been there then we have the story of lucy the story of lucy is a young girl who reportedly has been seen in many locations on the island through the years she has curly hair and wears a long colored sundress and has been seen following people on the staircase at the crow's nest peeking out of the window at Pine Cottage and several uh, occasions during the haunted time during Halloween there so man this island has a lot of uh, creepy stuff so you people from Michigan let me know about this island I'm really interested in it they got a lot of creepy stuff there we got two more stories now this one's gonna be pretty good Sorry if that one wasn't that long kind of ran together with the other story but eh, sorry. <laughs> okay, our next story is the Old Presque Lighthouse in Michigan. Standing as a gui- standing as a guided beacon along the shores of Lake Huron in northeast Michigan. Old Presque Isle lighthouse still is seen today as a reminder of the great lakes maritime past built in 1840 for those eerie spine chilling vibes oh wait no sorry built in 1840 of stone and brick the historical site has quite the background and is even known for the uh for its eerie and spine chilling vibes here is the history of the place Following the War of 1812, in the increased use of Lake Huron being used for the shipping and pa- uh, passage, it was uh, decided that a lighthouse should be construct- constructed there. Congress Congress uh, Congress got funds in 1938 to pay for the beacon to the pay for the beacon to be built. The total cost to build the uh, lighthouse then was around $5,000. Oh my God, that's like quadrupled now. This lighthouse was the first built along the desolate shores of of northeast Michigan. In 1840, it was constructed to provide a guide light for the ships and sailors abroad passing by. It is still known as one of the oldest lighthouses on the Great Lakes. Old Prescule Lighthouse was built of two and, third, a two and third stone and one third brick. It stands about 30 feet tall and it is 18 feet around at the base. The first keeper of the lighthouse was named Henry Wo- uh, Woosley. He served until eighteen forty seven. He was paid about three fifty three hundred and fifty dollars a, le- a year, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and back then that was money. Over the duration of the uh, lighthouse, of the lighthouse years in operation, a total of five light of total of five light keepers held the position. The final light keeper's name was Patrick garrity senior he was appointed by president abraham lincoln in 1861 he remained in leadership over the lighthouse until he was des- deceased that the old keeper station was a uh, deterior- deteriorating with time in 1870 it was determined that the new lighthouse would be constructed patrick and his family moved to the new location in 1871 The new lighthouse was taller and more and was a lot brighter than the uh, other one. So that way the passing boats could see it better. Uh, Over the next hundred years, the old lighthouse was uh, sold to various people. Modifications were made as well and a new light keeper station was being constructed it was finally re re uh, recognized as a historical place in 1964 here are some of the spooky sights it was during a family vacation that we stopped on our journey at its historical lighthouse it seemed lost in time out there in the uh, desolate wood wooded area left to stand there through the years of harsh weather the harsh weather of Michigan the harsh weather of Michigan winters as we toured the light the lightkeeper's house an elderly tour guide warned uh, warned us of mysterious occurrences that happen that have that have that have Happen to occur at the top of the light. Numerous visitors have complained that they have experienced paranormal happenings. Some photos are even on display in the lightkeeper house for the visitors to see. As we climbed into the top of the historical structure, there was an eerie feeling in the air, yet there was nothing to be seen that sparked a notice of suspicious sightings it was days later after we uh, returned home and were reviewing our photos that we came across the photo shown below well you can't see that but the photo was taken by my father due to his mess, due to his funky lenses we glanced over the photo to see what looked to be a ghostly figure standing by, back in the back into the camera. Look at the photo below. Anyway, it's okay. the The figure is also wearing the figure is also wearing a captain's hat in a captain's hat, as the lady in the light keeper station warned the uh, sightings often are of an elderly man wearing a captain's hat and captain's uniform. Other visitors have described their experience at the uh, lighthouse, and local uh, legends have their tales. One story is of a young girl who is playing at the top of the lighthouse, and it's always little girls at these lighthouses. I mean, man, no wonder there were so many guys back then. The story goes of a little girl playing at the top of the lighthouse. When she uh, descended from the lighthouse, her parents asked her who she had been talking to. Her reply was, the nice old man, but no one else had been up there with her. Later, she identified from a photo that the man she spoke to at top of the lighthouse as Mr. Paris, who had passed away years before. Mr. Paris's wife had her own tales of encounters with her late husband. She was on her way to the door to get groceries during the light, lightning storm when she was unable to leave. The door had not been blocked. The door had been blocked to leave the lightkeeper's cottage. Just that, just as she let go of the handle, realizing the door would not allow her to uh, open it. Lightning struck outside where she would would have stood if the door wouldn't have been jammed. So she thinks that was her husband looking over after her. That's pretty cool. (laughs) Even in death, he's still looking out for his gal because he loves her so much. See, I like ghost stories like that. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool, all right, I think I got one more story for us, guys, and then it's all of use. This is the ghost of Ellis Frisky at Hell's Bridge in Rockford, Michigan, northwest of rock of Rockford This rickety old metal footbridge crosses the ragu river and has been doomed as hell's bridge urban legend has it that this spot where i'm that's, is that this spot where a man killed several children you can hear them hear their screams at night and see their faces in the water in the flowing river below I have read different versions of the legend on the uh, internet, but as the story goes, excuse me. In the eighteen hundreds, a man by the name of Ellis Frisky, who lived near the river, either kidnapped children or was asked to watch a group of children. But he took, he took them down to the river where. He took them down to the river where the current metal bridge crosses. They say he was a, they say he was submerged by or he was summoned by a demon to murder the innocent children, either he buried their bodies under the leaves near the river or threw them into the river to be carried downstream. When the townspeople of Rockford began looking for their children, they found Ellis Frisky covered in blood and, and he hanged himself from the bridge over the uh, Rasku River, of the Raku River. So, this bridge, that's where he hung himself on after he killed all these kids. This is the geest of the urban legend. I'm not sure how true it is or if any of this is true. I looked for Ellis Frisky on WWF Find a Grave, but I did not see him listed on there anywhere. I'm thinking he was a fictional person and a story created to scare the local teenagers. It has grown over time and especially on the internet. So, if you're from Michigan, hook a brother up, man. Tell me about this uh, place and I sure would talk about it. Well, guys, I'm sorry, but it's came to an end. Story time's over. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Sorry for me bumbling, stumbling through this stuff. Uh, but I appreciate you guys. Love you guys. You're great listeners. Remember, check me out on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon. Um, we're pretty much everywhere. I mean, I got my it's podcast anywhere you can find it. Don't forget to check out our YouTube channel. <laughs> I'm going to be busting my butt tonight, but you won't hear this till tomorrow. So... I'm going to stay up tonight getting this uh, stuff uh, put on the YouTube to get that channel caught up. Go check it out. I do videos there, too. And just want to say thanks again, guys, because y'all really, I'm getting a consistent download of about a consistent downloads between three to four hundred downloads a month. So let's keep it up. Keep the show growing, growing, guys, because maybe I can. uh that's for a living. Start making some money off of it and spend more time on it. But I'm gonna make more time anyway, cause you know why I like doing it. I like telling the stories. I'm so glad you guys listen, and I'm so glad you guys like it. But until then, be scary, be creepy, and like I said, go to go to uh, ghost stories on Facebook. Go to ghost stories told from the south on Facebook, and uh, talk to me there on my DMs. And you can uh, tell me your story, and I'll talk about it on the Internet. Or give me something on the uh, show. Or give me something to look up in your town, and I'll talk about it. But anyways, guys, it's been good. It's been real. Love you guys. Have a great weekend. Have a great Memorial weekend. And if you see anybody who served, tell them thank you very much. But you guys be good, be real, be scary. This is Stephen Laboose signing off, and we will see you later. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.